bless you on this afternoon. We are here um, once again for another clergy conversation. And today, I'm so happy to be interviewing one of God's great preachers, great people, great pastors, the proud pastor of New Nazareth Baptist Missionary Baptist Church. In uh, the person and personality of Reverend Dr. Jarvis J. Hansen, all the way from Chi-Town, <laughs> our friend and our brother. So, big bro, go Bless ahead and you. introduce yourself. Bless you, man. Uh, ain't there's no not too much to me, uh, Jarvis Hanson. Um, as you stated, pastor, uh, I pastor the New Nazareth Missionary Baptist Church of Chicago, Illinois. Also, I serve as the uh, moderator of the Greater New Era uh, Baptist District Association of Chicago uh, and vicinity. I have led them and had the privilege of serving them. Uh, for the past uh, four years and uh, married uh, to uh, my wife, uh, uh, Brandy, and I have a daughter, uh, 10 month old, uh, Allison Grace is uh, her name. And uh, um, born and raised in the city called Rockford, Illinois. And that's uh, that's pretty much about me, yes, Doc. Yeah, that's about me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, I want to start this interview by asking, um, when was your first sermon? But before I get to your first sermon, just talk to us about your um, conversion experience, your background. Let's start with your background and your conversion experience. Uh, saved at an early age, always uh, been in church, reared, raised, uh, and uh, uh, somewhat uh, shaped uh, in a uh, Christian church environment um, uh, there at the United Faith Missionary Baptist Church. Um, and uh, I was baptized at the age of five years old. Back that time, um, our church didn't have a baptistry, so we had to utilize another church uh, to do baptism. And uh, man, always, always uh, was in church, but I I gave my life to Christ at uh, the age of five years old. Always had a affinity for church preaching. Always stayed around preachers uh, at at a young age. Uh, wherever preaching was, that's where I was. Uh, I even played church uh, uh, in the uh, in the living room. Uh, uh, something I did uh, <laughs> used to have to uh, get my brothers and my sisters to. Uh, uh, play church with me uh, uh, um, and the baby. So they pretty much let me do whatever I wanted to do. Uh, but that's, that's, that's pretty much, uh, pretty much it. I preached my first sermon, my first uh, public message, uh, if you will, uh, at the age of 10 years old. Uh, that was wow. in uh, uh, the year of May. Uh, I'm not saying the month of May, uh, May 20. Uh, eighth, and I'll be coming up on uh, 27 years uh, in uh, preaching uh, ministry. And so uh, uh, that that's really how long I've been preaching. 
Um, my first message uh, was entitled Trust God and Receive the Benefits of Wisdom, uh, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Uh, and uh, I, I yes, do have a VHS of it. I hope nobody ever finds it again because I tried to hide it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 uh, yeah, man, that, that, that's pretty much that's pretty much me, Doc. That's pretty much pretty much me. <laughs> so you talked to you said you started preaching at 10 years old. So then how was that conversation? with your pastor, um, with your parents? Like, how did that conversation go when you admit at 10 years old that you've been called to preach? Well, it was, it, it was, it, it's somewhat complex because um, prior to that, I preached my first sermon at uh, 10 years old, but I actually accepted the call to preach at eight. Um, yes, sir. And I remember, I remember that vividly. I was riding home with my father from church, and uh, I uh, pretty much, you know, told him what the Lord uh, had said to me. And but we had an agreement, and that was my agreement as well. I said, I said I wouldn't, I wouldn't start preaching until I was in my thirties. That was, that was my plan. Uh, I didn't want to start preaching until like my my thirties, and. Uh, and uh, when uh, I couldn't uh, hold that feeling anymore, uh, I never forget we were having youth revival uh, service. Uh, it was it was in the month of March, and I just went and told my pastor. I said the Lord called me to preach, and um, he already knew it. And I said I can't I can't hold it no more. I said the Lord is 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 calling me to preach, and I went home, and my father who uh, uh, was a Sunday school superintendent at the time, he, he didn't want me to acknowledge it. And he told me that I can't do it. And I just cried, like I cried. And I, I told him, I said, I got to, I got to preach. And, um, and the reason he was trying to shield me from that was because he understood, you know, how church uh, can be uh, so, uh, uh, so harsh on the other side. And he was trying to protect me uh, from that. And he went to my pastor and uh, said, uh, Pastor, you got to tell him uh, he can't do it. And 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 that my father in the ministry, uh, the late Dr. John and Coleman, uh, he said, who am I to tell him that he can't preach? And um, I couldn't, he, he couldn't stop it. And uh, I ended up announcing the call publicly to the church uh, the next night after the preacher preached. And uh, my mom, uh, she, she always, she always knew, cause even when she, you know, she was a great singer. And uh, when she was in the choir, uh, I would be right there with her. I, you know, I'm mama's boy. So I couldn't go anywhere without my, without my <laughs> mom. And so that, there was no uh, apprehension in the sense of uh, what my father dealt was dealing with but after a while he pretty much accepted that so it, it was pretty much a reception and uh that that's that's the story right there that's the story right there yes sir so then you're 10 years old 
um, your pre your preaching. So how because somebody somebody may have been through this or somebody may be going through this. We don't know, like I said, what God will do. But how was it being a 10 year old growing up, being a, a young preacher in the city? And you still, you know, want you still want to be a kid. You still want to have, you know, fun. But how was that experience? Because now the the, the spotlight's on you. You're you're a preacher now. You you mm-hmm. and you and you're still, you know, you really in elementary school for the most part. <laughs> Not even starting middle school yet. So how was that experience like? Oh well, man, it it, it was it was different. It was very different. Um, uh, in the sense, man, I, I really wasn't the average kid, you know, uh, when, you know, right. people were playing with, uh, you know, of course, I, I like watching wrestling and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I, you know, as far as, um, you know, playing with toys, you know, that wasn't me. I was I was trying to build pool pits and uh, microphones and stuff. Right. Like, you know, I was interested and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I still had my friends. I still would go out you know, and hang with them and go outside and still be a, a kid. Uh, but I was, I was yet somewhat peculiar, uh, in the sense that I really did not, uh, do or was not really intrigued, uh, by a lot of things that, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, kids my age, uh, would do. So I was kind of, you know, weird in that sense, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I love church. I love playing church. I love that. That was me, but I still had time, uh, to, to be me. And, uh, the blessing was, you know, Rockford in being as, uh, large as it is in the sense of population is yet, uh, tight knitted uh, because everybody knows mm. everybody, and so pretty much people already received me in that context. You know, uh, whether the, you know people already knew that, that he gonna preach. We we were just waiting on that, right. and so you know, uh, I you know, but at the same time, they still allowed me to be who I was, and all the way, you know, all the way from. Uh, you know, high, uh, middle uh, grammar school, uh, uh, middle school, into high school. You know, you had some people uh, that would, you know, scrutinize me and you know, catechize me as to, uh, you know, wondering if 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 it was authentic. But I tried to maintain as much as I right. could my uh, integrity, as much as uh, I possibly could, and uh, it it really brought uh, me. Uh, into good relationships with a lot of people. Um, I'll say this, I interim pastor in my first church uh, when I was 16 years old and I was there uh, for a few months. And uh, a lot of the people from the high school would come uh, to the church where I was on Sundays. You know, I baptized a few of my uh, schoolmates and, you know, so forth. And so it, 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 it was always this, that the older preacher reminded me at such a young age to make sure that you always keep yourself grounded, but make sure uh, that you do not allow your integrity to become uh, polluted. And so I was, I was guarded by, you know, a lot of older preachers and, and, uh, but I was also had that reverence for God that I did not want to do anything to try to jeopardize uh, the ministry, but I always main, maintain my, you know, my my connection 
uh, with with fellow man. So yeah. So so talk to us then about those early days in the ministry. Were you preaching a lot? You know, what? How were you developing as a preacher? <laughs> yeah, talk yeah. to us about that. I see you laughing already. Talk yeah, to us. man, you you make you make me go down memory lane, Doc. You make me go down memory lane. Uh, I see. Uh, I see. Big bro, Roger Smith is watching. Bless you, bro. Um, uh, man, I, I, I did. I did a lot of preaching, Doc. I, I, I must admit. And man, I, and I, all, I, all I knew was the emotional side of preaching. Uh, I just knew that. Uh, but I, I was afforded many opportunities. I mean, when I announced my calling. Uh, it was back to back, back to back um, uh, engagements, and my pastor uh, he did not uh, he did not stifle those opportunities. Man, some of those sermons were good, <laughs> some of those sermons <laughs> were all right, and then some of them were terrible. You know, uh, but uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was um, uh, man, called well, bless you. Um, but I was I was given a lot of those opportunities, and I thank God uh, for them and for some of those senior pastors that invested in me. And then uh, the older I got, uh, my first revival was when I was twelve uh, years old. Uh, Pastor A. William Staten, Senior. Uh, I don't know if you uh, know uh, Pastor A. 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 William Staten Jr., uh, who pastors here in Chicago, but mm -hmm. uh, we were in BYF together, uh, Baptist uh, Youth Fellowship in our state Congress. And man, uh, we were, we were, and he, we were in that session and he, we got talking. He said, man, you preach? I said, yeah, man, you know, and, and he said, man, would you come do a revival if I asked my dad? I said, yeah, you know, and so uh, next thing you know, um, you know, we were, um, uh, we were, um, you know, connected. My parents had to drive me, of course, and stayed right. in the hotel. <laughs> uh, man, I, God has blessed me even at a young age uh, to preach, man, all around this, this state, around this country. Uh, I remember certain days when I got in high school, I used to go uh, preach in Detroit. Uh, every fourth Sunday in February, I would, uh, I would preach uh, at the uh, Pleasant Grove uh, Missionary Baptist Church in uh, uh, Detroit, Michigan, and uh, I remember that time we had, we had to go preach. That was on Sunday. Had to come back, go school the next day. You know, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you know, you know. So I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't put those uh, moments of education on pause. But there were some times when Mom knew I was just dog tired, and she wouldn't even uh, just wake me up that day. She'll let me you know, stay in on that Monday. Uh, been some times when I was doing revival. Uh, I remember when I now about 16 and I was driving, I'm, I'm sitting in the car writing sermons for the next night or for that night, you know? Um, so, you know, it, it, it was, it was an experience. And so, uh, everything that I was able to learn and able to see, man, I, 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 I took it and, um, and I'll say this, and I'm rambling. You asked me a question that makes me go on and on. Uh, that's why on. I have such an affinity for young preachers and young pastors, uh, because man, uh, the, the opportunities that you all have now 
uh, and the things that you are exposed to, uh, we did not have uh, those different uh, things. We didn't have uh, those uh, different uh, platforms. And, you know, all it was back then, if you were, if you were able to bless the offering or do the responsive reading, you know, you were blessed, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and then to answer your question of preaching, uh, you, you, there was no term, you know, ain't no such thing as a turning preacher. You know, you get a lot of preachers who will come ask their pastor, you know, when is my turn and, um, uh, things of that nature, you know, and, and then, you know, but you, you learn how to serve, you know, you, you learn how to serve that, that, that your, your father in the faith, your, your pastor, um, you know, when you were invited to come yes, uh, sit at the feet of those preachers in that, in that office, you, you didn't offer up your opinion or your commentary, you know, in those, um, in those moments, you, you, you listen, you, you know, and you soaked, and you absorb, but now nowadays, uh, information given is somewhat of an insult to some preachers due to the fact that uh, they don't want their arrogance exposed. And sometimes, in order for mm. you to become a better preacher, uh, somebody has to expose your areas of weakness and and tell you what mm. you're not wow. to show you uh, mm. that what you think you are uh, is really delusional. And so, um, mm. uh, so, you know, it was, um, uh, it, it, it was, it was a blessing, man. And then, you know, when, when those, when those preachers actually had an investment in you, man, they, they put all, you know, that they had into you. And so, uh, you know, uh, I, I laugh. I remember them days where, you know, you preached, it wasn't no honorarium. You just preached for the experience. You know, and or uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, or you know, uh, when you uh, when they called you over, and uh, they just wanted to, wanted you to come and sit and listen, or do something that was going to better you, you know, um, and you know, it's a blessing. So all those guys, some of them are deceased, and um, some of them are um, uh, are still around, but the ones that are still around, I can yet call. And uh, man, they'll tell you that uh, uh, he he was one that that sat at our feet. And so, man, those man, I got a lot of memories about about those uh, <laughs> about, about those days. And man, you make me feel old, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, I want to quickly acknowledge that my big bro, Pastor Bill Caldwell, and big bro, Pastor Clifford Mays, and um, hey, Pastor Clifford Mays, yeah. And then Pastor uh, Joseph Kelly and that, Pastor, um, <clears throat> yes, sir, Pastor Warner. Pitts. I want to acknowledge Pastor. these guys as well who are watching. Yes, you, yes sir. I want to acknowledge them. I want them to share this as well, if they don't mind. But I, I want to get to this question, then, Big Bro. When you talk about the young preach, the preacher of today, what mm -hmm. from your experiences going from starting as an, as a young preacher, then an interim pastor, then um, pastor, which we will get to, but just starting at the interim and then as you were talking about listening and as you were talking about um, a pastor exposing your arrogance, what would you, how would you encourage young pastors and young preachers today about the, about the importance of listening or about the importance of wait your turn? Because for some, 
some may say, you know, I've been waiting, I've been waiting, I've been waiting. And they would like a turn. They would like to go across the nation. They would like to go on the revival circuit. They like to preach in a national convention, but it seems like it's not happening. But what advice or encouragement would you give to those young preachers and those young pastors? Uh, be glad to answer that. Um, uh, Dr. Terrence uh, Raven, TC Raven, uh, good to see you, man. Um, I would I tell I would tell them this that they should look at the principle of Elisha. Elisha, when Elijah found him, he found Elisha mm -hmm. plowing. Elisha never sought the mantle because he was too busy dealing with the plow. And mm -hmm. the desire um the desire is one thing, but the duty and the devotion to the call is another. And I would tell any preacher that, yes, you may desire this. You may desire to be on this quote unquote circuit and desire to have this name, uh, but only people that are found faithful and and so and so what 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 happens is is that you 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 get a lot of you get a lot of preachers man who want to skip uh the um uh, the the whole process that it takes for you to get to where you desire and i, I need to say this parenthetically and then you got some who have their desire that's has nothing to do with God's direction. And so you, 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 we have to remember that God calls us to preach. And so when God calls us to preach and when God calls us to even pastor, we, we don't have a right to suggest to God what we want as if certain opportunities or certain, uh, uh, certain things are beneath us. And and uh, what 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 um what what preachers fail to understand? No preacher that's that's on this line started doing uh, revivals that had people with two hundred in the crowd. The revivals that I've done and still will do are those that only have five people. You you, you catch what I'm saying? The five people there, you know, or or two people to show up. You know, but I preach just as hard to them as I would. And so when you become selective uh, when it comes to your faithfulness, when you become uh, somewhat preferential when it comes to uh, your call, then you will start seeing that God will not use you because you have no faithfulness. You have no dependability. God, God calls those who are who are faithful. Paul says uh, that, I, you know, I kept the faith. I, I guarded that. And, and guarding the faith, it suggests that uh, I did not let up. I was resilient in my responsibility in what, what God has called me to do. Going back to something else, there was no time in our, uh, in our day uh, that there was youth pastors or there was assistance uh, pastors. You was just an associate. 
you know, and now these yes, different sir. opportunities uh, that are being afforded to different uh, uh, preachers, they, they think that is gravy. No, Doc, come come take a walk down my lane when you when you just had to sit there. But when you sat there, you studied. You studied preaching, not not just the clothes, not just Dr. Hayes. Good to see you, man. Uh, he's from Rockford. We came up uh, together in Rockford, and he I used to preach at his home yes, church as a boy preacher. But uh, you you studied, and man, and that was that was another thing. You know, uh, it, it it was we had VHSs, we had cassette tapes, so we had we had to actually go and listen to preaching. We had to go see what a good sermon looked like. We had to go look and see what a bad sermon looked like. But we we sat and waited and, and studied. And by you being present and being faithful to the call of preaching, that's where your opportunity will come in. Sometimes the old preacher said, come up and give me a sermonette. You know, you know, you didn't have time to go put on a, a clergy collar and come in with a cross around. No, you, you <laughs> preached. <correctly. laughs> you kept a sermon. In your back pocket, you know, and, you know, I, I tell my preachers the same thing, you know, uh, you know, when, when I ask you to preach, I expect you to be ready. I don't I don't do that. Uh, can you give me three weeks notice? No, 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 no. <laughs> Preaching <laughs> is a spoken communication of divine truth with a viewpoint to persuasion, which means that you ought to already have a message within you. The charisma should already be, be in you to produce the Caruso so that you can herald. And so, um, uh, so man, just be faithful. I mean, just that that's what pays off. Man, all that other stuff, that man, please. <laughs> it's faithfulness. God honors. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, then, but then, Big Bro, you hit it on it again. So then talk to us then about the importance of studying, uh, building your library, and as you say, listening to preaching. So talk to us about that importance of uh, building a library, studying, and listening to preaching, especially if you want to grow in your preaching. Um, that's key. Um, um, a, a preacher without a library is like a carpenter that goes to build a house with a hammer and some nails. It's you, 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 you're gonna have a, you, you're not even gonna get nowhere, you know. And the danger is, and from what uh, we're seeing, is that uh, I hate to say it like this, um, uh, <laughs> ignorant preachers produce more ignorant preachers. And so uh, if you have mm. pastors that fail to build libraries, uh, but have, have more an investment in the look and their lungs, uh, that's going yes, to sir. create lethargic and lazy uh, preachers. Um, one of the things that we were raised to uh, always invest in uh, is books, were books. Uh, when I preached my first sermon, um, my pastor took offering, but he took that offering and went and took me to buy books. So those, so, so those contributions uh, that um, P 
people would give at that first sermon were specifically earmarked to go towards the education of that preacher. Uh, if, if he was older or coming out of high school, it might have been getting ready, getting him ready uh, to go to Bible college. Um, if it was a guy my age, we're going to get him some books. And so books were important. First book, most preachers uh, on here can, can remember Matthew Henry commentary. <laughs> that, 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 that was my that was my first commentary, Matthew Henry's uh, commentary, and and uh, I had to get that, and then uh, it, it got me a concordance, uh, got me a good study Bible, got me a Bible dictionary, bought me a, a thesaurus, and uh, a dictionary. Um, and, uh, so that was, that was basically the formula, you know, the outline that we were already, that was already instilled within us. So once, once I started pastoring, um, and started investing into my preachers, I started to do the same thing. You're going to buy books. You're going to do this. Uh, and, and then you're, you're going to go sit at these conferences and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to learn, um, the uh, hermeneutics, the art of preaching, uh, or the hard art of interpretation with the hermeneutics and homiletics, the, the, uh, the art of, uh, sermon, uh, delivery. And then you need to learn how to, uh, prepare a sermon, which is, which is, uh, before you even get into homiletics and all that, you, you need to know, uh, what it takes, the mechanics, uh, to, uh, preparing a, a sermon. So the question, uh, that any, any young preacher, uh, should ask themselves is, uh, you know, is my is my wardrobe larger or greater uh, than my bookshelf? You know, wow. do, I, do I do I have wow. do I do I have do I have more sh shoes than sermonic sources? You know, and 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 wow. you you, all, you you cannot ever uh, buy. Too many books. I, I mean, I got books at my office. I, I still got books in my parents' house. And my, my brother, uh, hope he, he done raided <laughs> the stuff there. Who's preaching? Uh, but um, uh, I, I never, I, I never stopped trying to uh, invest in my library because the moment you stop investing in that library is the moment that your uh, that your preaching ceases to live. And uh, the the problem is we, wow. we got a, you know mm. problem is we got a lot of preachers man who who are um, who are gifted um, and they have the mechanics but the sad to say is that they just don't have uh, the uh, the desire to invest in that because uh, learning uh, requires the yearning you you gotta want that thing and it has and and then. Uh, I think most times people become scared of learning because again, it exposes what you don't know, but then it requires you to give some extra attention uh, and spend some time. Yes, and you just, you gotta, you know, one of the things, one of the beauty, uh, uh, beautiful marks of sermon preparation and, 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 and homiletics and then hermeneutics, the art of scriptural interpretation is when you have had to wrestle with a text, I mean, just just a a certain word or a certain 
stanza in that text when you had to just deal with that and it's been draining your brain all week long and and then you're trying yeah. to investigate it like like a like a like a, some type of detective of the pericope and the lord then allows that thing to shape and and and, and it comes on and then you and it's, that's why you holler <laughs> that's why i preach <laughs> because you you've seen <laughs> You're seeing how God took that text and made it become alive, but it's 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 a blessing. So I, I would tell any any preacher. Then, then on top of that, uh, it, it's so uh, Trent Williams, bless you, brother, Dr. Trent Williams. Everything is so accessible now. It's 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 no excuse anymore. I mean, for us. You know, especially those who were boy preachers, young preachers at the time, we didn't have those resources. Now you got the internet, which can be something for your benefit or to your detriment. You can you can go on the internet. You have you have uh, different resources uh, and conferences. You got uh, the E.K. Bailey conference. You got Seminary Now. You got all these different. Uh, I seen something with IC3. You got a lot. You got a lot of those things, and then and then you even got your district associations where uh, where and 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 conventions who are trying to push certain things to this level. You know I, that's why I don't shade all the stuff that people try to say about conventions and stuff because truth about it is that's that's all we had. Some of us, <laughs> you know, that's that's all that's all we had. And so there's so many different resources out here. Where you know that there, there can't be no excuses. I, I tell I tell sons I have at the church. You know, you know, there's no reason why you you can still keep using the same excuse as a handicap. If you if you don't know how to read, you can go to YouTube and learn how to do that. You know, uh, if you don't know how to how to put a sermon together, you can you can find that anywhere. Uh, so. Right. Uh, France Whitfield, man, cut it out, man. Bless you, brother. So that, that's my stance on that. Uh, with me, uh, no study, no preach uh, at New Nazareth. Wow. That's that's amazing. So then since we on this thing about on this topic about studying, and we'll get to where, where we also want to go, then talk to us about the importance of school, the importance of seminary training and what encourage you, encourages you and discourages you when it comes to preachers who want to go to school and preachers who don't want to go to school. Um, I'll I'll say this, Delonte Jackson, bless you, uh, man. Um, when it comes to seminary, I believe uh, every preacher should have a desire and should want to go. Seminary doesn't make you a preacher but seminary does give you the mechanics on how to become a better preacher it it sharpens your theology or helps you in your theology um when it comes to seminary i tell guys this that when when you become a student of scripture you ought to be able to have your own perspectives without having to rush to a commentary to validate what you have studied. You, you ought to be able to look at scripture and your previous 
uh, inundation and acquaintance with the text and through study should already be shaped so that when you can look at a text, you'll know the history behind that passage. You'll know the purpose. You'll know the you'll know uh, if that particular scripture together, if if that's a, a one long uh, sentence and it's not chopped up, and you'll know how to outline it in your mind. That's what Dr. L. D. Tate uh, used to teach us how to how to look at that and be your own commentary. But that only comes when you uh, allow yourself to be seated at the feet of somebody uh, that can help you. Uh, sharpen your brain uh, and sharpen your thought process and, and help your uh, theology. What I say is, is that don't allow your seminary experience to become a cemetery experience. You know, uh, the issue that some preachers will run into and even laity uh, will uh, uh, run into is uh is that um, they'll go uh, to seminary and think that gives them more authority than the Holy Ghost. And then they'll come to a church thinking that it's their job to save that church and to, to uh, keep that church when that church don't belong to us anyway. Listen, you can't, you can't die for something that the Lord has already purchased with his own blood. <laughs> and so our, our, our experience in uh, seminary is just to help us in our thought process, but automatically we got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, because sometimes you get people who are educated past their own intelligence. That's what Dr. Edward Davis always says. And you get some people that yes, are so uh, so philosophically astute that they run away from the anointing or think that they have more influence uh, than the anointing. But I believe that is necessary. I don't knock it. I tell any preacher uh, to, to, to go to, uh, you know, to sit at the feet of those who are in higher academia especially theological. We, we need, we, we need, we need trained preachers, but we always also need submitted preachers uh, to the Holy spirit as well. Cause they both, they go hand in hand. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so then, you know, you're in Chicago and Chicago has had a rich tradition great preachers you know one thing i look forward to is always watching the chicago gospel bowl uh when people facebook live with it because there's so many great preachers but chicago has had historically i mean great preachers you know clay reverend dr Blay, reverend dr clay evans you've had dr donald parson you've had uh, reverend dr stephen j thurston you've had you have guys like earl redwell you have guys like dr leroy elliott you have all these great guys dr marvin Wiley. you have all these great guys dr johnny miller and it's probably some more i'm leaving out but we but you have all these great preachers all across the city, like this great preachers in Chicago, reminds me of great preachers. You got all these great preachers across this city. So talk to us about how it was just, you know, being able to sit at the feet of some of these great preachers. Even, you know, we have, you have Dr. Ahmad Boyd there now. Just talk to us about 
just sitting at the feet of these legendary preachers and just learning and and hearing their thoughts and um hearing their wisdom and the importance of, of a young pastor sitting under the feet of pastors who have been there. Oh yeah, um absolutely. Uh Pastor Derek Coleman, bless you. Uh Eddie Williams, bless you, man. Um man, some of those names that you uh have uh uh, called man, it was a blessing because uh, uh, a lot of those guys, man. I I was uh, you talked about um, you talked about uh, late Dr. Clay Evans. I used to watch him on TV uh, as a kid, uh, and never would have thought uh, that um, I would uh, you know be pastoring in his city. Matter of fact. Um, uh, was his moderator uh, while he mm. was alive. Um, uh, Errol Redwell. I remember first hearing Redwell, Dr. Redwell, uh, in uh, our um, uh, state convention. Uh, watched him from afar. Uh, you know, and the list goes on. Dr. Johnny Miller, uh, who, who runs Revival, or ran our Revival for many years, uh, right before uh, the pandemic hit. But uh, just being able to be around them and to uh, be able to sit at their feet. And Dr. Stephen Thurston, uh, who's uh, been a blessing uh, to to me. Uh, Dr. Edward Davis, uh, Jr., who's uh, who's here. It's, just, it's so many, uh, so many different uh, names uh, that, that I could go. That you said Dr. Leroy Elliott. So, the, I mean, just, just being able to, uh, to glean from all of them in some way, shape, form, or fashion, uh, what what is a blessing? And then, uh, what what also helps me and keeps me grounded is the fact that I recognize that I don't, uh, I still pay them the respect, <clears throat> you know, uh, that that they are due because they 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 the trailblazers they uh, they they know they they know the the, the framework and the layout. Or the landscape of the city, and uh, uh, the blessing is that what they have invested <clears throat> in me uh, has been such a great help to to my church. Uh, the best thing that uh, any preacher could do, especially when he comes to a new city, um, is to go and seek out some of the sages, so that you can avoid uh, some some unnecessary pitfalls. <coughs> when it comes to uh, your uh, particular uh, congregation that you serve. And so when it comes to preaching, uh, man, Chicago, and no pun intended on any other place because they're great preachers all around, but Chicago has has birthed, man, some of the greatest minds and greatest uh, preachers all around. It's just, man, is. Is is just a uh, a melting pot for preaching, um, and those those names uh, that you listed, uh, some of the greatest minds uh, minds ever. Uh, matter of fact, uh, <laughs> yes, sir. T.C. Raven, <laughs> good one another, Doc T.C. Raven, another legend here. You know, so you you got the yeah. West Side, North Side, all the way around. You know, so it's. it's <laughs> Great smorgasbord of preaching. Yep. Yeah. 
Oh, oh yes, sir. Then a couple others, you know, you got, y'all got Charlie Dates, Romel oh, Williams, yeah. uh, Reginald E. Backus, and a friend of mine, Andre Kirkland, that passes up there. So, yeah. And then, of course, Reggie Sharp now at Fellowships of Chicago. Y'all, the great preachers all across Chicago. Oh, yeah. So then, Big Bro, talk to, so talk to us about how you landed at New Nazareth. <laughs> man, <laughs> uh, man, I wasn't even looking to come to Chicago. Uh, uh, make a long testimony short. Um, I was, I, I was living in Rockford. I was working at FedEx. I was working at Federal Express and, uh, Pastor Robert Kane, uh, told me about New Nazareth. And so I said, well, I'm just going to send my resume and, uh, and see what happened. I was I was already settled in my mind to uh, pastor in Rockford. That was my dream. I'm I'm gonna pastor um, my uh, in my hometown. And at that time, a uh, good friend of mine, Pastor Cornell Thompson, he's deceased now. He was going to uh, leave and take another assignment somewhere. Uh, with a job, and he was he was going to retire from pastoring, and I believe he was in his forties, and he was going to go work uh, for ComEd, and he had already called me in and said, uh, "The Lord showed you, showed me rather that uh, you were going to be my uh, successor," and so okay, I said, "All right, you know, all right," and so you know, I wasn't expecting him to pass in the next month or so, or leave, you know that soon. Uh, and so he ended up passing. And, um, while he's, while he passed, remember, I already didn't sent my resume off to this <laughs> church, but it kept coming back. It, it kept it kept coming back. And so, um, this church in Rockford, they put me in a running. I said, I'm going to stay here. This is what I want to do. I, this, this is home. I'm comfortable. Chicago, is too much of a metropolitan area for me. Uh, I don't like the fastness and all that. And uh, I went to go look for the resume that had come back because uh, uh, I was just going to put it up. And so I asked my father, I said, "What? where's that resume? I said, it came back uh, from that church. I kept ret- getting returned to sender for some reason. He said, oh, I, I took it out. Uh, I guess I had it in an overnight thing. He said, uh, I took it out and just mailed it. I said, I said, no. I said, I ain't gonna. He said, he said, no, this, I sent it. It's going to be all right. I come home from work <laughs> and I'm already set in my mind to go to this church. Um, and that's why I made my mind I was going to do. I, I, um, I, I get a call. Um, my mother gets a call. I come home from work and she says, that church call. I said, what church? She said, the one in Chicago. I said, New Nazareth. She said, yes. She said, you were supposed to go for an interview. I said, no, I don't. Nobody reached out to me about an interview. She said, well, anyway, uh, they want you to come preach uh, this Sunday. And so I got in contact with the um, secretary of the pool pit committee and, um, and, um, Hey, Camp, how you doing? And um, I came, I preached. Now, I already had made up my mind. I'm just going to go preach and I'm coming home because there ain't nothing to it. 
And <laughs> I, I hate to say this because I, I didn't want, I really, I really knew that the Lord was getting ready to do something. And I said, Lord, just let me get over today. I really don't want to. I don't want to do too well. I, <laughs> that's one of those. <laughs> I want to go to Flunkersville, as we call it. So, um, man, and they had we had a broadcast at four o'clock. So I preached both services, and man, the Lord, man, came through that place on both services. I mean, and I said, I said, I, I said, Lord, you, you ain't about to do this. I said, I. <laughs> I said, I said, we had an agreement. I said, I was supposed to stay in Rockford. And I was the final can I was I was the final candidate. I was one that they heard just out of charity. You know, so you know, I was 22 years old. So, you know, you 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 know, I had a head full of hair, one size I am now. So they they wasn't looking at me. I didn't meet the criteria. I wasn't. I wasn't married. Uh, I wasn't the age uh, that they had specified. It was just they said, "Okay, we gotta hear them." Uh, Miss Bell, Miss Ada Price Bell, who's one of my pillar post members at the church, she said, "We have to hear him." She was over the pulpit committee, and they interviewed me that night. And Doc. Uh, I, the Lord said, this is where you're going to be. And it was just, I fell in love with them. And I kept coming back to preach, kept coming back to preach. And man, next thing you know, they voted. And here I is, Doc. Here I is. And I've been been here uh, <laughs> uh, for the past 14 years. I love New Nazareth. Uh, man, they've been a blessing to me. Um uh, I mean, uh, followed great leadership. My predecessor, he organized that church. I'm the second pastor uh, in the church's uh, 69 year history. He pastored there for 50 some odd years. Um, and uh, Doc, it, it's, it's been a great journey. Uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've gained a lot. Uh, I've seen a lot. And they, they—that's—that's uh, that's how I got there, Doc. And uh, uh, shout out to New Nazareth, love y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to uh, acknowledge a uh, big bro, Pastor Jarvis Ellis, the newly uh, called pastor of the Macedonia Baptist Church in uh, um, Dayton, Ohio. And so, want to acknowledge him. So, so big bro, let me ask you this question then. You, you talking about you didn't meet the criteria or these things, but you said God bless. and Amy Sutton because the Amy Sutton Reverend Doctor Amy Sutton came to preach for us in Oklahoma City for simultaneous revival, and he told a story about how he said he told God, "You can see me anywhere you go except New York and Birmingham," and then he said the fir the first church he got was in New York, and then he got called to Birmingham, and so in a similar sense, you had a kind of similar kind of situation. You said no. Oh, yeah. Agreement about going to Fluckersville, then all of a sudden the Lord oh, yeah. opened this oh, yeah. door for you. So, and then, oh yeah, and then not only that, you just talked about you you were married, you were young, you didn't you didn't meet the qualifications, and but yet God called you anyway. So encourage us because there may be somebody who may feel like I would like an opportunity at this church, but I don't meet the qualifications, and they may say I, I'm not gonna put in for it. 
But 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 from your experience, what encouragement could would you give somebody to say, go for it anyway? Oh man, first thing I'll tell you, um, man, uh, <laughs> I had to, I said the same thing. I said I I'll never I said I'll never pass in Chicago. That's so that's why I tell the Lord. That's why I tell I, I won't tell the Lord what I never I, what I'll never do because <laughs> he'll, he'll put you in a position. That second time he did that to me, uh, man. Oh, we got some more Jarvises on here. Okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I heard you say Jarvis. <laughs> Man, that that's something too, man. I'm starting to hear that name a lot now, man. Uh, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would tell I would tell any preacher, man, don't you know if if you feel led, if you feel led, if you feel like the Lord is leading you uh, to do that. See what what intervened uh, for me was my father, you know, my my dad, you know. He, like I said, the, the resume kept coming back, but he sent it. And here's the thing. I was sending it in an overnight uh, package. He took it and send it, sent it in the snail mail way. Sometimes things don't happen overnight. Sometimes you have to go <laughs> through the process you know, of it. And that's one thing that I saw theologically uh, behind that. But, man, God qualifies the preacher. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we can have all stipulations. The children of Israel have their stipulations as to as to what they wanted for a king. And sometimes in uh, having stipulations and things of that nature can come somewhat blind us to the sovereign activity uh, that God is trying to do uh, in our lives. But if if by chance the Lord is leading you and you know the Lord has spoken to you, you know, uh, send it. I mean, what's the worst they can say? No. You know, and and right. and, and if, <laughs> if they say no, you just go back to plowing. You go back to doing what God, you know, has called you uh, called you to do. But if God has called you to that uh, of pastoring, if that's if that's what God has called you to do, I need to say this on that: every preacher is not destined to pastor. You know, and I think. That's one of the things that we uh, have to make known, especially uh, in the African-American church, Uh, just because you don't get uh, seated, as people say, in a situation or a church does not make you any less of a qualified preacher. It's just that God only selects certain people to serve. That's why he said, and he gave some. You know, that, that that has to deal with uh, some has to deal with an assignment. And so uh, sometimes uh, what happens is you get uh, preachers who seek assignment, but sometimes they are prematurely placed uh, in a situation that uh, they are not able to handle. And so uh, but that's that's parenthetical to what I'm saying. But uh, on the other hand, if God has led you and you know he's spoken with you uh, don't be dismayed by what the qualifications of things may may be because god can take that which seems to be uh something uh, foolish uh and allow his favor uh to uh, be displayed in your life so man just go for it you know know that god has called you and uh know that god has gifted you 
and uh, let God do the rest. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest, uh, because you know I've seen I've seen some people who had all the right qualifications, but didn't have any type of supernatural governance, and they had the right package, but they had poor performance because the Holy Ghost wasn't there. So, so that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> Yes, sir. So you're you're at New Nazareth, um, and you starting at 20, 22, 23 years old. So just talk to us then about, and you're single, but just talk to us about how it was being a young single pastor that's passed, and your and how long was your predecessor there for? Can you um, organize the church? How yeah, long he was, was there, there altogether? Fifty-two years, fifty-two, fifty-three years, somewhere. Jermaine King, so good to see you, bro. So, talk to us about that, then. Like you're single, you are uh, young, and you're taking over for somebody who's had this long stretch of ministry. Hmm. Oh uh, man, it 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 was it was it was challenging. It was it was challenging in the sense not that. The church that I pastored was a fighting church, uh, but it was just they were only accustomed to uh, one style of leadership. And then on top of that, I'm pastoring third and fourth generation people. So, you know, uh, you know, I still got some that were there once the church uh, was started organized with the inception of the church then i got i got their children and then their children's children and and so i'm dealing with all of that on top of being young had not met anyone in this church before really don't know anybody too many people other than the people uh, or preachers wise, other than the ones that I preach for as a young preacher and that's in our convention. And so, uh, you know, I really had to come in on faith and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then being being a single pastor uh, was, uh, was uh, another uh, thing as well. And so um, basically uh, all I had was, uh, Brandon Collins, bless you, bro. All I had was uh, the Holy Spirit and preaching. Uh, I didn't come in trying to tarnish or tear up his legacy. You know, um, I, I grew with them. You know, I, I, I tried to discover, you know, how they operated, why they did certain things that they did now. It wasn't easy because it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of moments of crying, tears. But I recognized that you know I had to. Uh, I had to work. I had to grind, and then and I had to them uh, that uh, that I wanted to pass to them, and and I had to love them in order uh, for them to trust me. You know, one of the things that um, certain pastors. Uh, can get discouraged with is that because you you have pastor uh, on the marquee is you're trying to figure out why 
they don't give you the reins to the ministry just yet. That's because they don't trust you. And by right, why should they? You you only pastor in name only. You haven't you haven't proven yourself enough uh, to to for them to relinquish that into your hand. And so only time and the Holy Spirit preaching and teaching. And I'll tell people, don't despise that. That's what old preachers always say. Keep preaching, keep teaching. And as you continue to do that, then you can start maneuvering and 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 doing some changes. But you you want you want to get your structure, your infrastructure uh, together first, because the truth is, uh, you know, when you first come into a church, oh, you got the greatest situation ever. <laughs> you know, uh, everybody <laughs> loves you. You the best thing that ever happened. That's because you ain't had the pastor him yet. You know, you know, you you haven't, um, you haven't. Uh, I like that. Haven't built any equity. Uh, I like that. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't invested enough time there yet. And so, uh, once you start having to make decisions um, that goes against the grain. Then that's when that honeymoon starts to go, because really all you're seeing in that first year and the first two years uh, is the representatives that they want you to see. And then you got to deal with the people that's telling you who to watch out for. And no normally the ones that's telling you who to watch out for are the people you need to watch. You know, and and uh, right. and when and, and when you're uh, a William Staten Jr., he's on. Bless you, man. Um, when, when, when you start to go against that method or they think you're, and I'll say this, especially as a young pastor, they think you're naive. See, don't young preacher, don't think that they're just calling you because you're young. Sometimes <laughs> they're calling you because, uh, if you're not careful, they think that it's going to be easier for you to be manipulated. But you gotta you gotta be settled in your faith and you have to be settled in the fact that you know that God has called you and then you need to be grounded in polity and procedure so you'll know what you're talking about uh when when you when you lead and then you can't be timid uh when it comes to that and you gotta be able to stand even when you know the the, the odds and the majority aren't in your favor. And so uh, I had to grow. I had to grow with them. I had to take the punches. Uh, a lot of people don't know that I commuted from Rockford uh, to Chicago for seven years. Yeah, you know, that Rockford, Chicago, that's, a, that's, that's one way. That's 69 miles, you know, and I did that being young, uh, thinking I was invincible, but I did that I did that for a few years, you know, seven years, you know, and and that and I'm talking about during that time, um, I was preaching twice a Sunday, ten o'clock. Then we had a live broadcast at four p.m. I get in my car and I drive home, or and turn around and come right back on Monday. And we talking about and then come back on Wednesday or sometimes all week, you know. We talking about Chicago, so I'm dealing with Chicago traffic. And so I, I, I learned the highways all around, but my, my faithfulness and, and what God allowed me to do 
there at New Nazareth is what created uh, a place of trust. And so uh, what I what I started to do, I started focusing on the ones that were ready to move. And, you know, uh, I stopped trying to uh, trying to win over folk, you know, and, you know, in politic, just preach and either they'll shape up or shift out. <laughs> I think you just said something very important that you stop trying to get over people. And so, and, and not only that, you said stop trying to over people, but you said just preach and teach. You know, those important things about preaching and teaching and stop trying to win over people because I, and, and I've had this conversation with you, you know, you said just be faithful and, and I, and I believe you you've hit on it as well that you can't change everybody. Because some people just don't want to change. Mm -hmm. And so you have to keep preaching. As you said, focus on one, on those who do. So as we get ready to um, close this, because you've been generous with your time, so I don't want to take up too much more time. But this has been great. So then help us with that. As a pastor, not um, wearing yourself out about being or not pastoring and being afraid and you say you can't be timid you can't you got to step up so talk to us about not being afraid to even though you got to take your punches but not being afraid to pastor and to lead the flock um man that takes time you know <laughs> it takes time i know my my first when i first got there in april i started pastoring april 1st april fool's day of 2007 my prayer, Lord, was Lord, let me last a year. <laughs> you know, I, I was I didn't want to be. <laughs> you know, my prayer said, "Okay, let me let me ask two years." And then you know, because I I didn't you know I didn't want to get put out. And, you know, and New Nazareth isn't that type of church. You know, but you know, just that fear, that fear of letting God down, letting uh, letting the church down, and then. Uh, being the conversation of your peers and things of that nature. Uh, when you really start just getting to the point of saying, I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will. To heck with what my peers say. So what with what they say? I'm going to do what God says. And one thing about it, sheep uh, will not respond to timid leadership. They come to you to get calm. Uh, when there's a disturbed sheep, they'll run ahead of the flock just to get close to the shepherd. And 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 what I one of the things I learned with my daughter and my wife told me about this uh, when I first time I gave her a bath and she said and I was so scared to do it. She says she's going to have to trust you so that she can be calm and know that you can handle her while she's in the water. Because children can sense when there's frustration in that parent. And so what happens when it comes to pastoring uh, and them not trusting you with leadership is because there is uh, too much fear in that shepherd. And, and they know uh, that, uh, okay, well, pastor said this, but, uh, you know, he ain't do nothing about it. So once you give them an inch, they're going to start taking the yard. Or uh, we're going to start this, but then there's no finish. 
you know, or there's no uh, consistency or they, they don't see that you you're totally uh, invested uh, into uh, the ministry. They, they have to feel your pulse. They need to see your passion. And after they see it, then you can start developing people that can work. But you can't do that being being fearful. You can't, you know, I, I'm not saying you go in and just uh, you don't do what I say, dude. That's that's crazy. You know, <laughs> but, but you, you have to you have to get them to the point that they they see that you actually uh, want to see this thing grow, and and uh, you you have to you have to actually take time to build. Uh, to and I'll say this: you can't, you know, you can't build a church uh, being on the road twenty four seven. You know, I've had learned that the hard way. You know, uh, yes, I, I preached revivals, but it was a time I had to pull back because I had to take that which I was given to other churches in me and start pouring that into the people because those are the people that that you serve, and the more you serve them, the more that fear, the more you will go away, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, the more they'll begin to trust you uh, with, with the reins of, of leadership. But, but, the, but if you, uh, that's when the coyotes and the foxes come in the hen houses, <laughs> you know? And, and so uh, <laughs> uh, these 14 years have just proven that if you just take time to, to fear and, and not to fear them, but then also, if you're going to pastor them, you can't get caught up in social uh, connection, networks and connections. Um, you know, their opinions about you are always going to change. They're going to love you one day and they might not like you uh, more so the next day. But you got to remember, you're not there to be liked. You, you know, I've had to say it on many occasions. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your pastor. And if we've developed a friendship along the way uh you know god bless it but if it means for us to end this friendship in order for me to get you right with god then so be it and so um uh, yeah that that that's pretty much i'll say about that yeah yes sir so talk to us then about how it is pastoring um, in Chicago, because it's it's a as we know, Chicago is one of the largest cities in the United States, and I mean, you know, Chicago has Chicago has its violence as well. So, how is it pastoring? Because somebody may get sent to a city where um, it's a large metropolitan area, it's a great metropolitan area, but there but there is that other side. There is that um, gentrification. There is that violence. There is these things as well. So, talk to us about how it is pastoring in Chicago. Man, uh, unique, Doc. It's, it's very, it's very, <laughs> it's very unique. Um, uh, it's it's a it's a saying uh, that goes around here. Uh, Dr. Edward Davis Jr. says, "If you pass in Chicago, you can pass anywhere." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, man, pastor in Chicago is a blessing. I love it. I thank God that He sent me here. Um, uh, again, um, uh, you have to discover, um, who's who and what's what and know 
uh, your surroundings uh, in the preaching circle. That's one thing, but you 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 have to uh, really be aware of what's going on in your community because whether you know it or not, um, you're going to pastor your community. Um, there in the South Shore area uh, where I am, um, I've connected with a lot of uh, people there, and they uh, a few of them actually call me their pastor. You know. Um, I funeralized them. I've, I've, uh, married, uh, them in, uh, their, um, giving them their nuptials, uh, baptized some of them, um, and, and so on, fed them, clothed them. They, they look at our church as a, a haven, a safe place, a haven. Um, and so, um, it, it, it's 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 a blessing. It's it's uh, every side of town, uh, even though there's a lot of things that plague uh, the city, every section and every area and every hamlet uh, has their own needs. Um, you know, you have more impoverished areas. You have more areas where mental health and uh, uh, there's mental health is a problem and there's no uh, medical uh, resources there and, and people are, you know, homeless and looking for shelter. So you, 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 you got to know the, the layout of the land and you got to know uh, the demographics and, and things of that nature. And so that's going to help you actually uh, service the community. Then it's, it's necessary for you, you know, uh, to partner with political people. You need, you need to know uh, different people around there who are uh, in office. Even if you don't like them, you still need to know who they are. You still need to be able uh, to identify them and uh, be able to reach them uh, if, if possible. Pastor in Chicago, it ain't about what you know, it's about who you know. And that's what Chicago will, uh, will, will teach you, you know. It ain't about what you know. It's about who you know. So you can't come here uh, being pompous and thinking uh, that you're the smartest person here. You you might have lambskin on the wall, uh, but some of these preachers got sheep in the pews. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, so it's, it's, about, it's about you building the relationships necessary um, so that, and, and then, you know, on top of that, uh, you don't know who knows who. You don't, you know, man, the, the, these relations, everybody's church somewhere, shape or form is, is connected. They are, they all connect. When I, when I came to new Nazareth, it blew, it still blows my mind about how many people actually know our church. And uh, because my church is very historical in a sense, because uh, Dr. Hopkins and then his, his daughter, uh, great songstress, uh, Orly Hopkins Sampson was uh, one of the uh, uh, original caravans, and so people would come to hear her sing. And so that there's so and so many people are connected. You know, they back then. You know, uh, during broadcast hour, they were church hop. They were being from church from eight a.m. to twelve o'clock at night. You know, they'll go from Greater Harvest to uh, from New Nazareth to over here Mount Calvary, then over here. To fellowship, and so they will be in church um, all night long, and so you you need to learn that history and and to learn uh, 
to learn all of that uh, so that you can uh, serve your serve your people in 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 a great way. And so because you might say the wrong thing to the wrong person and you don't know who knows who. (laughs) (laughs) Must be messed up. Yes, sir. And so then, big bro, let me ask you a question. And like I said, I got a few more then we'll be done. You're in Chicago and there's a lot of great churches in Chicago. A lot of great churches in Chicago. But I want to ask you this question because I think you could help a lot of pastors and preachers. When you're in a a metropolitan area where there are, let's say, great churches, great history, great pastors, what are keys to not allowing what you what you don't see in your church and what you see from somebody else's church discourage you, whether that's a bigger membership than you, whether that's a, a, a building program, whether that's more money? You know, how, how do you not allow that to make you feel like you're insignificant because you're doing what you're doing the same thing? You know, your your comrade is doing, you're preaching, you're teaching, you're, you're doing all these things, but it seems like their growth is faster and then your growth. So how, but you're still doing, you're still being faithful, but how do you keep yourself from being discouraged and how do you keep yourself going? That's a great question. That's a great question, Brown. Um, you, you have to uh, always keep in mind this, that success is success and growth is growth even if it does not match that which uh, may be what what your peers may have is still success even if it does not match the same size of your peers when G- when Jesus talked about the parable with the talents um and those that uh, received those talents, uh, except the one that was foolish, the one that received those, the ones that that did what they had to do to maximize. We got to remember that what was given to all of them was not the same. So, because it right. was not the same, it does it, it meant that they were not going to match in size later on. And so, as the pastor, you you have to remember this that wherever God has called you to serve and whatever wherever God has called for you to cultivate, that means that whatever you do to increase that ministry, whether though it, even though it may not match the person down the street, does not mean that you failed. Where we fail, right. especially in larger metropolitan areas, is that we're trying to match the growth of that church down the street, but we don't have the needs of that particular church in our particular parish. So, mm. and and we do that by trying to create the same ministry mm-hmm. when there's no need for that. <laughs> you know, let me put it like this: Just because you see, well, you, we see it work down there, doesn't mean it's gonna work for you here. So if you, if if you, let me just see if I can put it basic like this: If my church eat nothing but chicken, it, it's no need for me to try to come bring pigs' feet to the table because they're not a pork eating church. <laughs> 
they're a chicken eating church. Mm. And so for me to create ministries <laughs> that don't meet the needs of the people that God has blessed me is really me wasting time trying to develop and push things that people are not going to come eat. You know, so when they when they come to mm. here or to, to your church, the place where God has called you to pastor, what you have done where you are, what's the name of your church? What's oh, the name Sunrise Missionary Baptist Church? Sunrise Baptist Church. So so when it comes when it comes to sunrise, you've assessed and prayed about what it is that God wants you to do with these people. These these people right here, and and what God says, this is what I want you to do, you know, and you do it, and you look at the growth, you assess it later on, and see that you've grown. God says, "Well done," because you you've been faithful over this. But if I if I come trying to do what this brother is doing down the street and trying to invest that. At, at at New Nazareth, and they don't have a need for that. Then I'm I'm not only failing the people, I'm failing in my assignment, and I'm failing God. There is no cookie cutter approach to when it comes to this thing. Mm. And so I would tell uh, I would tell any pastor, man, man, if, if if listen, if you if you only got ten folk, if you only got ten folk, and you've seen their minds develop. And grow, and they they are hundred percent tithing now. You you've done some. You, you've done. You may not have a hundred folk like Brother Bob down the street, but guess what? His need isn't your need. And so I think what what happens is we we start thinking that okay, well you know, well, this is how this is what this is what worked for this brother down here. So uh, this is what's going to work for me. And we find ourselves. In a deficit, and in debt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we done sat up there and did all this stuff trying to keep up with with this brother down the street, you know. And, and next thing you know, we like, well, I'm still, I'm still not seeing any growth. It's because you, you don't, you didn't do what it takes to assess what the needs are for that. So don't get, don't get discouraged. I mean, I went through that. You know, you look at the guys on TV, like, man, this is what I want. That's why, that's why I'm going to have my church do. I want to do this. I want to, man, listen, half the stuff I said I wanted to do when I first started pastoring, I ain't did. Because <laughs> it, <wasn't, laughs> it wasn't, it, it wasn't for, it wasn't for them. And I have to find out what, I had to find out what really is the need. And so, and I, I tell you this truth. I didn't really start really learning this until three years ago. <laughs> you know, I had to really get it. So I had to be satisfied with the success that God has given me because it's growing the people. It's not growing my ego. And half the right. stuff that Negroes try to do is only, only inflating their ego. They don't they, their success is based off of their mm. personality and their ego. It ain't got nothing to do with the people, you know. So don't make me go there because I get passionate about that. So, you know, 
you know, you don't you don't have to change that. You don't have no, to change no, no, that. No, go ahead. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, go ahead. You, know you ain't got to change the identity of your church in order for there to be growth. You don't have to change who you are as a person in, in order for you to grow. If you couldn't preach and if you couldn't pastor with a certain town, ain't nothing going to change when you're coming with skinny jeans and a button-up shirt. <laughs> <laughs> It's, 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 I'm just keeping it real. You know, it's, it, it, right. you, you've got to be faithful and labor right where you are. And and at the end of the day, it's God that gives the increase at the end of the day. And if you be faithful and if you be committed, he'll expand. And I've watched him do that. I'm, my soul done got happened now. I've watched him do that. Go ahead. Uh, this year, even in a pandemic, Doc, even in a pandemic, God has has shown himself to be faithful. The people, listen, the people still remain committed. They, they have, they have shown themselves to be faithful to God. And I, I didn't, I didn't have to, I didn't have to force them to change who they are. I didn't, you know, it, it, it was just God being God. And so, man, don't, uh, man, listen, you, you 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 can you can do it. You you can do it right right just how you are. If God don't change the situation, let him change you. Oh man, I appreciate mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm through on that. Sorry, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That was good because I think you hit on something that I think is encouraging those who are watching this curtain. Something that you know, when you talk about serving well done, if you're if the people are growing and we're not just always looking at numbers or a bigger budget, but if the people are growing, then we can then God, you said God says serving well done, and then that'll give you what you need so that the Lord does choose to move you even to another assignment. Mm -hmm. you, you've seen that faithfulness, you've seen that you've seen that 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 the the rewards of your labor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I think yes, and I think what you just said, and I think I think what you just said was very important and very key for us that we continue to do what we do at where we are and listen to the voice of the Lord, and then we can really feel comfortable and confident. But um, so is there anything else that you just feel that you want to just say? Anything else that's on your heart uh, that you want to just encourage us or just get off your chest? The floor is yours. Man, first of all, I want to thank you, man. I thank God for your spirit. Um, I thank God for your fellowship. Thank God for your friendship. And as I stated to you privately, um, I'll tell you publicly, if there's anything that I can do for you um, with a little bit that I have, man, um, I'll be glad to share. Man, I see a lot of my other colleagues uh, on here who I'm just so blessed and thankful for and proud of. Uh, uh, Jermaine Key's little brother telling me to holler, <laughs> but uh, but no, man, I man, just stay on the wall, just stay faithful to God, man, com stay committed to the call of preaching. Um, and and that's preaching is your first priority, that's what that's what God called us to do first. And you know, if we lose the desire to preach, it's gonna be hard uh, for us to pastor. And I'll say this, I don't. I never will say that I have all the answers to this thing called pastor and I'm still learning. I still, um, still figuring some things out, but I thank God that he's placed me, uh, in a church that 
uh, has allowed me to grow, allowed me to scrape my knee, bump my head. And I'm talking about even after 14 years, but uh, we, we, we've we grown and God has blessed us. It's been an uphill journey, uh, but man, for any pastor that may be listening to me, uh, be faithful where God has called you to serve. Uh, what it works for some down the street may not work for you in your particular assignment. And wherever God has called you, don't despise it. Uh, be faithful to it and, and watch uh, God move. And uh, man, I thank you for letting me come and talk, man. And uh, man, uh, man, God speak to you and all that you do, Doc. How long you've been pastor? Like I said, I just started in November. Bless you, man. Man, you <laughs> you you're gonna do well. You're gonna do well, man. You, man, not. stay humble, man. You're gonna do well. Stay humble. Keep your spirit, man. <laughs> Try to appreciate you, that. Oh yeah. Also, um, tell the people about your church there in the Chicago area. Give give the people information about New Nazareth before we close. Oh man, uh, of course. New Nazareth Missionary Baptist Church, seventy nine thirty three, uh, South Yates Boulevard. See a few of my members who are on here. Uh, we are on the southeast uh, side of Chicago, virtually. Uh, you can uh, tune in to us at our page, the official New Nazareth uh, church page or on YouTube, the official New Nazareth or our Instagram, New Nazareth NBC. Uh, also, uh, we, there is a vaccination clinic in our uh, church. Um, my wife has been blessed to uh, launch that. Uh, you have, if there are those who are looking to be vaccinated. I have mine. Um, you can come to our church uh, between the hours of uh, 9 uh, a.m. Uh, to uh, 5 or 6 p.m. Um, I don't have the number on me <laughs> right now. Uh, but if you uh, <laughs> call our church, uh, 773-731-4747, we can get that to you um, and we will take care of you. I think that's about, about it. We do offer um, uh, Christian counseling. Uh, we also have outsources for that. So we have those who are looking for that. Um, let us know and we can hook you up with uh, the people uh, and our personnel. So that's that's pretty much Pretty much it, Doc. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, um, stay on just for a quick minute. I'm going to end this broadcast. Just stay on for a quick minute, and I'm going to let you go. But God bless you all once again. Uh, thank God for Reverend Dr. Jarvis Hansen uh, joining us today. And this has been a great conversation, a needed conversation, a very helpful conversation. Once again, he's a pastor of the New Nazareth um, Baptist Church. New Nazareth Missionary Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois, and we're so grateful for his um, just willingness to be with us um, today, but I'm grateful for him. I'm appreciative of him, and once again, share this, and uh, we look forward to the next clarity conversation, so God bless you, and God keep you.